episode 17. We're almost adults. Last week we could drive. This week we're almost an adult. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you want to <laughs> yeah, talk about podcasting. Numbers. Numbers, numbers wise. I don't know. Yeah. Try to make some reference to the numbered episode. All right. My name is Dave Hunt. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined by Michael Swick. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing fine. Worked kind of a long shift today. Uh, had like just about two hours to unwind before we recorded, but I'm here. I'm awake. I got my Coke. I'm fine. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys for listening, downloading, subscribing, however you are absorbing this content. We are Digital Days Gaming. We are a podcast that covers all the gaming platforms. Um, and we've had a little bit of realization of that the last couple of weeks. Some really cool opportunities and some cool stuff happening in the future. Um, we did send out some of our stuff to start. You guys were asking about reviews and and. You know, some maybe some updated content, and you know, we started reaching out to some PR companies. We got some good responses, so the the future looks bright for Digital Days Gaming. Um, but uh, however you're listening to us, we appreciate it. Like I said, uh, if you're listening to us on any podcast format that lets you leave a review, please do so if possible. Subscribe if you can. Uh, that way, the episode just automatically downloads, as well as just uh, sharing the show uh, on social media is a huge help as well. Many of you have done that. And that has helped the show grow, and we've had a good couple of weeks of growth, so that's always appreciated. Um, we are all over the internet, so we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can just uh, search Digital Days Gaming on Facebook and you'll find us. We are on um, uh, Patreon if you want to support us uh, monetarily on Patreon, patreon.com slash digitaldaysgaming. We have a YouTube channel, same thing, search Digital Days Gaming. There's some pretty cool Division 2 content on there, as well as we're getting back on the schedule of posting the show to YouTube. So if you're somebody that likes to, to absorb your content on YouTube, the goal will be day and date, uh, Thursdays at 6 a.m. to post the show, presuming my computer doesn't crash during the upload process. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, again, we're on we're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash digitaldaysgaming. So um, any way that you can support, share, any of that thing you can do. Um, we are a Twitch affiliate. If you want to use subscriptions on us, Amazon Prime, any of that stuff, uh, please feel free. Uh, we've uh, Twitch has been growing for us tremendously, and it's, it's, it's appreciated as well. Uh, all right, so we are going to jump right into the news because we've got some pretty cool things to talk about. Yeah, uh, the first story is it's just a little bit of a follow-up uh, to a discussion we had a couple weeks ago. Um, so the numbers for how much Sony paid for Insomniac Games came out, uh, and that total was $229 million is what it cost for Sony to purchase Insomniac Games. Uh, the reason we talked about it a couple weeks ago is because we were just curious because Tencent had bought Funcom, the Conan Exiles publisher, for about $148 million dollars. And Dave is the one who was just curious of just like, if that's what Funcom can bring in, how much could Insomniac bring in? Which is actually lower than I thought. When looking at Funcom, totally. Right. Especially coming out of Spider-Man. Like, I could expect that number to be higher, but... But it's, it's like we talked of... about, though. I think that Insomniac got to essentially retain all the rights, and they get to still be their studio, and Sony is essentially... I mean, I guess Sony owns them, so they're only going to make stuff for Sony, but it's it's kind of like a, a publishing deal on steroids. Yeah, with Sony in particular, like, Sony will just let their developers make whatever the hell they want and take as much time as they want, which is a benefit of having Sony as an owner, or at least that's what Sony has been doing. Who yeah. knows they could change in the future. 
Tencent is kind of hands-off, but they are also a big company that just kind of has eaten up everything. So it's kind of hard to tell exactly what their influence on everything is going to be. I mean, at one point, Tencent had two of its own studios suing each other. Right. But for, for I guess a little bit. as a perspective, though, like, does Sony own the rights to Resistance or does Insomniac yeah. own the IP of Resistance? No. no, no, no. So Sony owns Resistance and Ratchet. Okay. They always own that. Okay. Uh, and Insomniac uh, owned the rights to the Microsoft published game. Uh, uh, Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive, and just because that came to EA Steam. owns Fuse, right? Yeah, EA owns Fuse, but no one cares about Fuse. Well, it was um, a game that they made, so... Yeah, yeah. And then Spyro is owned by Activision, but that's through, like, a whole other tale of, like, Universal yeah. owned it, and then Vivendi, then Activision. Uh, right. But now they own everything, so unless Insomniac has uh, Bungie's lawyer team... Uh, you know, Sony's going to have all that now under well, their umbrella, and, and that's a bad compar- that's a bad comparison because Destiny was in development by Bungie before the Activision deal. No, but I'm just saying in terms of like breaking away from like a big company, yeah. Bungie is like really a really capable of doing that. They broke away from Microsoft, then broke away from Activision. Right, but Bungie uh, couldn't cannot make another Halo game. No, no, they could, they right. cannot. So uh, I mean, it's just it's really interesting the, the dynamic. Like people were really surprised about that, but like when Bungie broke away from Microsoft and they started development of Destiny, um, they then went to other companies and saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do, but we need a publisher. And that's where the deal from Activision came from. And apparently Activision liked what they saw enough from the Halo-based studio that they're like, oh yeah, we're in. You know, but, Yeah, we and went, went on. And then it went all to hell. <laughs> so. yeah. uh, but this, I, I feel like this also, finding out Insomniac's number for Sony, it, it kind of reminds me of like baseball or like sports in general. A lot of times, you know, you're waiting for that first like pitcher to sign so he can set the market. Yeah. And then that immediately, you know what the other pitchers are worth. I mean, unless you're stealing signs, you're banging in a trash can. Oh yeah. yeah. Then you can write your own check. <laughs> hey, that, that Dallas is uh Kurt Charles playing for the Sox now. So he's not a cheater. He just played for a cheater team. Um, so, this kind of, uh, this is one of those things where, uh, like, now we know Insomniac, Sony paid $229 million for Insomniac, and Sony, uh, or Microsoft acquired, like, those five or six studios, and outside of Double Fine, those studios really didn't have a ton of, like, hits that they owned themselves. You look at Compulsion Games, they had uh, We Happy Few wasn't like anywhere near uh, like a Ratchet and Clank or a Spider-Man, obviously. Uh, Ninja Theory, who outside of Hellblade, don't own a lot of their own IPs. Yeah. I would say like, that at they're, all. they're they're getting them on their on their incline versus yeah, they're like, they're um, getting Insomniac them on their way. has been being purchased kind of at their peak again. Like they've probably peaked a couple times, but this is the highest peak mm-hmm. that they've had. Yeah, but in terms of like Sony, you know, had a open up the, the the wallet significantly for insomniac especially coming off spider-man i imagine that just gave insomniac all the negotiating power of just like hey we made spider-man mm-hmm. and i now am looking at like you know how much insomniac's worth and was wondering like how many of those studios that microsoft purchased what their cost was i'm sure i can dig it up through financial paperwork but i don't think any of those studios 
Yeah, I would probably say, I would guess, based on what we know about what Tencent um, paid for Conan, and I would guess that these are probably in the 160 to 190 range for... Right, exactly, yeah. and I, I love that type of speculation, and I'm sure, again, we can dig that up, because Microsoft probably has to reveal their financial numbers soon, so we'll get the exact numbers, but you can at least see, like, studios worth, and then, you know, like, Remedy's been rumored a lot the last year of, like, oh, if there's a studio for someone to pick up, even though there's no signs that Remedy would be selling, uh, now this kind of puts, like, how much Remedy might be worth, you know, coming off Control, uh, Quantum Break, Alan Wake, they all own those IPs, and just wondering what they would be worth. They would probably be somewhere between, you know, what Exiles got and what Insomniac got. Yeah. Maybe not as high as Insomniac, but they're, they're in that range now, probably what Ninja Theory was paid, maybe a little more, if anything. Well, and it's like it's like you said though, like with if if you were to purchase Remedy, like I be, I believe Remedy owns Control, right? Yes. And they own they own a couple more IPs, so like Alan Wake, Quantum yeah, Break, yeah. That increases their value automatically because they own their IPs. Like Insomniac, as good of a studio as they are, didn't have an IP library with it. No, yeah, all their stuff so was just as much Sony. as we you know like love Insomniac. Like if they would have had two or three IPs attached to them it probably would have increased them another x amount of million of millions of dollars yeah and there was nothing stopping sony from just taking the spider-man license and giving it to like sucker punch and be like hey you guys made infamous after ghost you're doing the next spider-man game but insomniac had proven such a valuable studio with the spider-man thing that that sony was just like okay despite the fact that we own all your ips already or all all the things you're known for we're gonna pay you this amount of money and you're just gonna keep making these games uh, it's a huge win so, for insomniac because they got 230 million dollars and then sony's paying their payroll <laughs> yeah and then they could just work on ips that they have been the so, most comfortable with i hope that company has profit sharing <laughs> yeah especially sony stock is ever since like the rumors that uh i just Apple hope insomniac looking... has profit sharing <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, that's what i'm saying but like profit share and then like stock options like sony's been doing pretty well uh, stock-wise, especially since, like, there was the rumors that Apple would buy Sony Pictures. Like, the stock, like, kind of rose up, and that's still a possibility. Uh, so, yeah, probably a good time for people to be buying into Sony, especially if you just get acquired by them with a new console coming out. Right. Things are looking good for Sony, but we have a story later that might say Sony has some issues that they're trying to conf- uh, figure out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, so, uh, I jo- mean, yeah, the value's cool. Like, and I, I hope that we get to hear a little bit more. Because it, it makes you wonder, like... And again, it's the same conversation, though. Like, if Naughty Dog ever got put up for sale. Like, Naughty Dog doesn't own Uncharted. They don't own Last of Us. So, like, how much is the studio... like, Or, as crazy as it sounds, how much is a Neil Druckmann-led studio worth? You know? Yeah, that would be fascinating. Like, Sony would probably never get rid of, uh, you know, Naughty Dog. But, like, if Neil Druckmann wanted to hit the free agent market... Yeah. Um, a lot of people would be interested in like picking him up but yeah it, it, it's the it's the conversation though like what is it is it the is it the ips or is it the people you know and is mm-hmm. it the is it the management you know like of how the studio is ran and it yeah. sounds like i mean we you know, insomniac is ran it's been ran by the same uh, ted price for a long time oh no ted yeah ted price has been running insomniac for for since the beginning um yeah naughty dog uh is it evan wells is there their founder or one of their founders uh so yeah you would wonder what like a neil Druckmann, if he wanted to break away and do his own thing uh what that would be worth just you see like you know amy hennig 
was able to sign with whoever she wanted. Uh, it didn't work out because she picked EA, mm-hmm. but uh, you know she's really not had any had any issues you know finding work or a studio who wants to work with her or a publisher. Uh, but yeah, it's just interesting to, to to get these numbers, and I, I realize that we will probably get the numbers for the Microsoft acquisitions soon because of we're in that that beautiful financial period, which is why we found out about these numbers. But uh, I want to talk a little about a little bit about E3 2020. A lot okay. of things have come out uh, this last week or so. Okay, so they broke down exactly what they're doing with the schedule. Uh, the sounds like, uh, or n- not sounds like. So what they're officially doing now is uh, the first day of E3, June 9th. That is going to be industry only. Um, and so that's like media exhibitors and then people that paid the thousand dollar premium badge, uh, they will get the first day away from the public, most likely to get work done. And then the other two days will just be open to everyone, you know, the, you know whatever the ticket price is for that, which I think it was lowered to like a uh, hundred and twenty dollar range. Uh, so that's their big step, because that was uh, they're basically going to try and do like the Gamescom. Uh, method where there's just industry day and then the rest are open to the public which is something that people have been wanting since they started the public thing last year they experimented with the first like was it two or three yeah, hours i think the, the show day? floor opened for us at like 10 o'clock in the morning and i don't think they let the public in until like two and that was like the day was open from like 10 to 7 so i think the public was only like two to seven something like that yeah, yeah. one o'clock and, it was in the afternoon it was like after lunch mm-hmm. yeah uh, and that worked out relatively well uh, for, so for at the least. doors at that time if you were in, like in the lobby or something. Yeah, yeah it got it got kind of <laughs> crazy. Uh, so this is their their new like way of doing things, uh, which is interesting. Uh, previously at E threes, uh, Thursday would be the day everyone went home, just because you know you got your business done and people just bailed Thursday to you know beat the the traffic at the airport. This year, we might see people just get their stuff done Tuesday and then just call it a day, or at least people on the media side, which would oh, be hell, the most surprising y- thing. You and I were goofing around of, like, do we just fly in Tuesday morning and fly out Tuesday night? <laughs> right. I mean, because like, it starts at, like, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, and then it closes at 6. If we, Me both, and you if we made, both jumped on 6 a.m. flights, we'd be in L.A. at, like, 8.30. <laughs> and we would be fine because we've done this before for, like, one game. Yeah. Let alone, we would be tired as hell. Dude, I slept at an airport for Far Cry 5. (laughs) I did too for Assassin's Creed uh, Origins. Uh, So it wouldn't be that crazy for us if we would, like, register and get approved for media. Uh, We still need to figure that out. Uh, But other Patreon.com slash Digital Days Gaming. Twitch.tv slash Digital Days Gaming. (laughs) Maybe we'll do a shirt. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh, So... uh, this is, you know, interesting that they're going to do this. Uh, so far, they've only announced uh, 10 publishers that have signed on to be at E3 or have boots. Uh, those publishers are Xbox, Nintendo, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Sega, Capcom, Square Enix, Take-Two, Bandai Namco America, and Warner Brothers. Not listed there, obviously, are EA, who do their own thing. Sony, who said they're not going to be there. Um, 
and then Activision, who have been just kind of on and off on whether I thought they have a booth was presence. On that list. Uh, they're not on the official 10 list. They might be on the partnered list, which means they'll have like private rooms, like okay. not a booth. Uh, this was just more of just like, hey, these people will have a booth. Uh, and like if Sega's there, that means Atlas will have a booth because they share a booth. And right. then those are the big ones because tickets just went on sale. I'm sure we'll get smaller publishers announced. Yeah. Well, uh, and like my, my concern is like thinking about the studios you just lifted off. Like Warner Brothers always has a really cool look, don't touch booth. Um, you know, uh, Capcom does a lot with Street Fighter, obviously being like a competitive, you know, sport. Um, you didn't say Epic, right? No, no, no sign of Epic, and Epic was like half a quarter of, of the floor. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but they had a tournament there too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ubisoft does a, does a, if anything in terms of the public perception, like Ubisoft does the thing of like, here's our games, please play them. Like, and there's like always like four or five games on the booth on the show floor that you can either see people playing or you can wait in line and play. So yeah. like that's always been cool. Um, in terms of they also have their store like off to the side. Um, and some other things but the you know capcom has always kind of had a, a large presence of uh, i'm sorry yeah capcom and square enix i kind of feel like they their booths are kind of the same they just usually have a major game that they're showing and then they have a bunch of really cool displays yeah so square it's like every other year they'll either have like oh we're just having displays or oh here's 20 final fantasy 14 kiosks well, and last year it was final fantasy and Avengers, and I'm sure this year there'll be a huge push for Avengers because it won't be. Oh, because it'll be playable. Yeah, it won't actually. be out. But Final Fantasy will have been out. Yeah. Yeah. So. And well, yeah, Final Fantasy 14. It's just always like, hey, we have a new raid, so play yeah. this MMO and get a gigantic bag when you're done. Maybe they'll start uh, teasing Episode Two already. <laughs> Cap- Capcom's one of the, yeah. Capcom's one of those things where they're they're booth is kind of just been like a picture display like they'll have a stage where they're doing fighting game tournaments yeah and they'll have a couple arcade cabinets out there running like the latest version of street fighter and then they'll just have like a monster hunter thing you can take a photo with and yeah, that's just and then, been their and then, thing like the collection whatever collection they're bringing out whether it's like a Mega Man collection or they'll that'll be like in a corner over there that you can play yeah there, there's always that display with the Mega Man helmets yeah <laughs> like just every year uh bethesda kind of borders on the museum Yep. Where they just have a bunch of like cool things from their games on display and a couple kiosks. And their relationship uh, with Oculus. Is... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then like Nintendo will have their crazy like booth set up where it's really cool. Like last year they had like a Pokemon Stadium thing set up and they have a lot of things playable, but the lines are just crazy. So we'll go Nintendo. on Tuesday and we'll get all our Nintendo stuff on Tuesday and then we'll do our apartments on Wednesday. Yes, because I, I would need to, I, since I can cover the Switch now, I, I, I gotta get my Nintendo time in. Yeah, like, honestly, booth-wise, uh, from these announcements, especially Take-Two, Take-Two usually is pretty hands-off with their booth. Like, it's, it's usually just, like, a closed-off, like, fancy-looking room where you see they people in business suits drinking. booth one year that was, like, a two-floor New Orleans look, you know? But there wasn't really anything playable with that. Yeah. And then, uh, last year they had Borderlands, uh, yeah. So that was pretty cool. They actually had kiosks to play, but like Take Two is pretty hands off, depending on if they have anything to push. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually, best booth is between like Nintendo, just because of it's like kiosks and just coolness, experience. Like the, yeah, yeah, it's just 
Yeah, and then Ubisoft are just like, if you want to play something, you go to the Ubisoft booth because they you will get something to you will have something to play there. And then Xbox, I don't know if this means they're returning. They always had their mixer booth or whatever there. Yeah, they had the mixer thing, but there wasn't anything really playable there. They had a couple things there, and then they just had stuff for like live streamers to set up shop Mm -hmm. uh, and stream from the floor. Uh, So. Yeah, so those are the 10 companies that they have announced. Uh, And then the last bit of news uh, regarding E3 is uh, Jeff Keighley isn't going to be running the E3 Coliseum. Uh, He released a statement to saying he's just not going to be there, uh, but he will be at Gamescom Live, uh, which is like the Gamescom opening show or ceremony. Um. E3 will have, like, a Coliseum-like experience that will be live stream. It just won't have Jeff Keighley running it. Jeff Keighley isn't just a host. He actually does a lot of the setup in terms of booking people and making presentations. So him not showing up, and he's been to, like, every E3 is kind of a big deal. It's like another big name walking away from it. Yeah, but... Wouldn't you also say that he's kind of part of the reason why E3 is in the state it's in right now? Uh, how so? Because he's his main goal is to bring E3 directly to people's houses. Yeah, I, I guess uh, like the Game Awards is that reason, and he's always presenting. So I can I can definitely see him. No, but I'm just saying it's like the teaching, building YouTube, and you know because he's done a bunch of stuff with like YouTube TV, and when and when that was a big deal, and and bringing like because. The, the way that I remember E3 as a kid is that you would always hear about the... And E3 has changed over time, obviously, like we've always talked about. But, you know, it was all about going to the booths and seeing things. And then it kind of yeah. turned into... We, we've seen PlayStation have a stage and GameSpot have a stage and Kind of Funny have a stage and the Coliseum and, and um, all these... And then the companies are bringing their games to them at E3 mm-hmm. to then put out to the public to where it made it less... You know, like, we could, in theory, if we wanted to, cover E3 from this chair right here. Yeah, I yeah, don't there, think there's we would plenty miss, we could I don't do. think we would miss much. Sure, we wouldn't be able to have some of the hands-on experience. There are a couple things that we've obviously been given the opportunities to see before that have then allowed us to have better, you know, conversations and coverage of, like, playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint before it came out and you talking about your concerns about it, which turned to be valid concerns. And I played Watch Dogs Legion before it got delayed. Um, you, you know, and then the the roller derby game, you know, like that we, we that you got to play that we found out maybe wasn't coming to PlayStation, but now is a relevant coverage thing for us because we don't cover PlayStation only. But, yeah. you know, so like there's all of those things are, are smaller things, but... I don't feel like anybody would necessarily be missing out because Ubisoft has, you know, their live stream stage as well of like where they're presenting and showing you all the stuff. Yeah. And, and that's a thing, uh, especially what's been happening a lot is because it's been open to the public and because uh, they're bringing the content directly to people's homes. A lot of times the stuff that's being shown off publicly is stuff that's just going to be released in like a month or two, as opposed to years past where, uh, stuff you would see at E3 would be early stage stuff that you wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't have in their hands for maybe two, three years. And now it's just like, okay, since it's open to the public, since it's being live streamed everywhere, we're going to just push the stuff that's coming out in a month, you know, two, two, you know, like two, three months mm-hmm. uh, just to 
use that as uh, more marketing that pays off right away as opposed to showing a game too early which i think is why we've been running into the delay issue so often is because the old e3 mentality is still present with some companies where it's like oh as soon as we start making it we got the title fuck it let's let's announce it and we have nothing else but the title yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, like in comparison, we'd all, you know, years ago, we'd see an Activision booth where they would have Destiny and they would have Call of Duty and they would have Guitar Hero, like playable. And then you'd go upstairs, you'd go there for an appointment and you go upstairs and they stick you in this room and they show you a presentation of something that's not out yet. That's harder. Yeah. That's harder to do with more public in the show. Yeah. Um, you know, like, cause, you know, there's been a couple things that we went to last year that, you know, you had to get to go into a private conference room and then you had to go back into another room mm -hmm. yeah but there wasn't very much like you know secluded content and that stuff is being done more like we've been talking about of where i went to san francisco and i got you know to play division two and they they controlled the environment for two days of here you are you're allowed to you know you can say you're in san francisco but you can't say what you're seeing and you can't say what you're doing until this day and this day and they it that's much easier for them to control than Joe Schmo walking by a door to go get a bag of potato chips and seeing the logo for Warlords of New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, E3 is, you know, we're, we're going to probably talk about this leading to E3 until we finally see it for ourselves on what E3 2020 is and how the future of E3 is going to turn out. Uh, but we're getting more and more of a picture of what to expect from this year's show, and... I still don't think it's worth it for the people that are paying to go, you know, buying right. the, the pass. Especially, I saw, I saw you interacting with uh, Alex O'Neill on Twitter, I think his name is. Yeah, from Irrational Passion. Right, about is it worth going. And, and, and your your tweet was great. Like, especially, like, if, if, let's be, I mean, let's be brutally honest. Like, we always are. If we get approved for E3, and if we can swing it financially, however we can, we can do that, we are going to do the best we can to go for two reasons. One, because I think we owe it to the community that's supporting us to cover games. And that's this is a great way to cover games. Two, we're in the early enough stages of us building those relationships and, and showing face-to-face -face of, hi, I'm Dave. I'm from Digital Days Gaming. I want to cover your stuff. Here's my card. Here's my face. You can't replace that with an email. Yeah. And even if it's just reintroducing ourselves to people we've interacted with before... It's a completely different thing now. It's, hey, I'm here. I, I didn't go away. I'm doing this now. I would love to continue to work with you. Mm -hmm. You kind of need to do that in person. Yeah. And, and I can cover more platforms. Yes, and I can cover more platforms. Just because doing it by email, doing it by tweet, uh, a lot of these people are just getting like completely hammered by emails every day. I think my inbox is a problem when it has like 20 or 30 emails a day. People in the industry probably are dealing with hundreds of emails. So it helps to put a face behind it. So when they see that long list of emails, they're like, oh, Dave Hunt sent me something. I remember him. He had a Detroit hat or something, something you know, sim simple he as that. He was double my height, which is not an yes. uncommon occurrence. <laughs> yes. This man was a giant and he liked the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, that, that stuff's like important, uh, especially for smaller sites like us mm -hmm. uh, to still go to E3, even if we're sounding a little down on it. Uh, in terms of like, is it worth it? Uh, but for, for like small sites, it's definitely worth it to go as an experience since the experience has changed so much and they're promising this new experience. I don't know if it's 
going to be that worth it. They're going to have to prove. I still think a you're better lot. off going to like a PAX or something. For sure, hands down. Like and I've PAX never, Prime, I've PAX. never been to a PAX. I actually looked at PAX East, and the media badge has already expired. And I, I realized that flights to Boston aren't terrible, so I could. Oh my I, God, Seattle are just as bad. No, but I'm saying they aren't terrible from Detroit to Boston. Oh, okay, so, okay, yeah. Like uh, I could told you talking about doing something in a day. I could totally do Boston in a day. Yeah, I see. The only problem is about doing Boston in a day. I would, depending on what time of year it is, I'd be like, I really need to see Fenway. Yeah, but we've got a couple friends in that area. Somebody only lives like an hour and a half away from there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, last news story. Oh no, no, we have two more news stories. Uh, this one's pretty quick. Um, so, uh, you remember Stadia? Uh-huh. Okay, you remember that thing? Uh, a couple months ago, I think it was only a month ago, uh, people were asking, like, hey, when are you going to have new games for Stadia or announce new games? And the PR response from them was, it's up to the publishers and developers to announce games. We're not going to be announcing games uh, for the platform. Well, flash forward to uh, Valentine's Day. And Google announced five games coming to Stadia, which, you know, because they, they got to start doing that because uh, people's three month founder uh, passes are starting to expire. So they people have, you know, they got to get them to re up. Mm-hmm. So they announced uh, five games coming out, um, three of which will be first on Stadia. And then the other two are just going to be on Stadia and are just, you know. Whatever. Uh, the first, first game Stadia by like twenty four hours. <laughs> haven't said. Okay, okay, so the first, the the first on Stadia games are Lost Words Beyond the Page, which was a game I saw last year uh, at E three. Where it's uh, I remember you talking about that? Yeah, uh, it's uh, this little girl is like uh, reading uh, fantasy, or she's writing a fantasy story, uh, and when you play the game, it's a just a like a platformer. Uh, but you're you're building the story as you're playing and using those words to help the platform and then develop the story you're playing. So it's, a, it's an interesting uh, game that I'm interested to see how that turns out. This uh, is probably perfect for Stadia because it's a, like a really simplistic game. Input lag probably won't matter at all for it. Uh, the other games is an arcade game called Splittings. And then there is another game called Stacks on Stacks on Stacks which uh, in this Verge article says it's a 3D tower builder builder uh, reminiscent of Jenga. Uh, so those are the three games that are going to be on Stadia first. How long? I don't know. Okay. Uh, and then the other games coming to Stadia that will just, you know, be on other platforms right away is uh, Panzer, Panzer Dragoon remake and the Serious Sam collection. So those are the five games that were announced for Stadia that are coming eventually. Because I don't believe they put any release yeah. dates on so these. There is something going on on Stadia's end of the perception they gave us was, yeah, it's on the developer and the publisher. They just give us the game. We, I mean, I guess in my mind, like, oh, they send us a disc and we put it and download it on our servers and you access our servers. Like, that's just how I visually see it work in my mind. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. But even the Division Two Warlords of New York, they're like, it'll come to Stadia soon. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and it's like i don't understand where the disconnect is where they can go yep we're gonna put it on ps4 we're gonna put it on xbox we're gonna put it on pc on march 3rd and uh we're trying to get it on stadia like i don't understand yeah i don't I, i'm wondering if uh stadia someone might correct me on this i i is it linux based because that mean work needs to be put in it but maybe not a lot of work uh, i would to... think it'd be like the same code that they're giving to epic you would think, but apparently it's not, or there's just enough hoops that they have to go through that it's just not worth it for developers to do. Or maybe the cut to be on Stadia is too high, or something. There's, like you said, there's something behind the scenes going on where, or the the cut, maybe the cut is too low. Yeah, for going to the developers, right? Like maybe it's you know, like maybe it's low. like, oh yeah, you sell our game, we'll give you a dollar per cop. What? Like, I don't know if that's the number. I'm just speculating. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hear, like, the cut that you get from the Epic Store, which is why a lot of indies are just going to the Epic Store over Steam or, you know, doing both. And I wonder if it's just a financial thing. Because uh, they made it seem like it was relatively easy to get your game on Stadia and keep it updated. But there's something else happening. Well, and and using Ubisoft as an example, they were one of the people that were the test guinea pig for them. Like, you would think that they would, if anybody has it under control, it's them. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I'll check my Stadia right now, but Doom, uh, the first Doom was a test game for it, and Doom Eternal is coming out on Stadia You played day Assassin's one. Creed. Yeah, but here's the crazy thing. The first Doom isn't even on Stadia to yeah. purchase. It, there, there's something going on uh, that and I, then, I like, would love to know. all the positivity around xCloud right now. Like, all the positivity around xCloud. It's working on iOS. Like, um, if you guys don't, you guys, uh, if you, I, I put some of his out, uh, Outriders coverage out, um, which, you know, we can talk about that. We didn't put that in here. Like, Outriders was announced. But uh, Paris <laughs> from Gamertag Radio, like, he tweets that he was waiting for his son to finish something, like, at a basketball practice, and he was playing Halo on his phone. Like, yeah. In a parking lot. <laughs> like, through xCloud. Like, that's incredible. Like, I've heard that Stadia does that, which is great that Stadia does it, but you don't have Halo. <laughs> yeah, they just don't have the library. They yeah. have Destiny, but it's outdated Destiny. No, it's up to date. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. But it's a free-to-play game. And it's also locked into its own ecosystem on Stadia. Yep. Yeah, it's an on- I don't know. It's, a, it's an online game that doesn't have a huge online component. Or, uh, Stadia doesn't have an online... I don't see a, you know clamoring for people to play on stadia people are like oh it's just my if you talk to somebody that's a destiny player that uses stadia it's just their oh i'm you know waiting for somebody to finish something or i had an extra 10 minutes here and i went and did a patrol on my phone like they're not sitting there like playing crucible or doing raids or running you know doing anything they're doing inventory management (laughs) yeah uh but yeah there's got to be something we'll probably never know because it's google and they keep their secrets. Uh, but I, I, I'm interested to see what their push at GDC is for it. Because that seems like a great time for Stadia to talk to developers or Google to talk to developers. And see if they can get something rolling. Sony isn't going to be at E3. So if Stadia wants to do a press conference during their time, that would be a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. I know they probably can't have a booth at E3 because it's really hard to be like, hey, this, we swear to God, is connected to the internet, even though the internet at E3 sucks. Right. Well, and then the the question is now that, you know, the Founders Edition is out and stuff is starting to expire. Like, can I 
just buy a game on Stadia, or do I still have to buy the Founders Edition? Will it work with my Chromecast that I have right now? Like, they've got to start answering these questions, like, soon. Yes, they, they definitely need to. Like, can I... Yeah, I've, I've got a buddy pass. Nothing has really enticed me too much to play it, other than the fact of it is that I want to check out how it is, like, latency-wise. But, you know, again, like, I keep using the example, like, in September, is Stadia going to be a cool platform for me to buy Cyberpunk on if I want to play it and not worry about what graphics card I have? Mm-hmm. Right now, the answer is no. <laughs> uh, dude, it's just so crazy that stadia is just where it's at because we were all pretty excited for it of the possibilities and it's still is a good future but it looks like xcloud's going to be the one that like actually takes it into the next step mm-hmm. um but okay let's bring this back around uh to uh sony again uh this story comes from uh bloomberg and a couple other uh company and business uh sites confirm this uh sony is currently struggling to keep the ps5 cost down uh because of parts so currently to produce a ps4 sony is looking at spending 450 dollars per unit and that's just to build the unit that doesn't include what it would probably cost to ship it and then to make the cost worth it for uh retailers to sell it so what is currently driving the price to about 450 a unit is there's currently a heavy competition for some of the parts uh, that they are looking to use. So the dynamic RAM that they're using and then the uh, type of flash memory. I always forget how to say it if I, I break down the letters or say it all together, but N-A-N-D, flash memory. Uh, the major competitor right now for that is Samsung because the S20 uses those parts and another set of phone manufacturers are also using some of those parts uh, which is making a competition for the supply chain so right now sony's looking at spending 450 dollars to produce the unit and then there's also um the cost of the cooling uh system in the ps5 is apparently uh really expensive because they're using some new technology for it uh which is nice because everyone complains about how loud their ps4s ps4 pros are so it looks like sony's trying to work on something on it but the thing that they're using is just a little bit more expensive um but it makes the story we had last week where sony's just kind of waiting on microsoft to announce their price uh it might not be because they're waiting for Microsoft to announce their prices. They can't figure out what their price is going to be. Because typically, manufacturers will sell a console at a loss. Mm-hmm. But if it's already costing four fifty to sell, or for them to make, we're probably looking at a $500 system or more, depending on how much it's going to actually cost them to get it on the store shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of scary for how much these damn machines are going to cost uh dave any uh thoughts on the issues um, i mean it sounds like the 500 is around the range that we were i was expecting i think that you and i were both kind of expecting i think anybody that thought 400 might have been a little crazy um mm-hmm. especially with the tariff laws and crap like that going on um but you know like it's good that the cooling system sounds like it's going to be high-end 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, long-term future proofing, like sure. Like I'm sure we're going to see a PS five slim that has, pro. that has better cooling system or, you know, like the cooling system got smaller or they figured something else out. Um, but I think they are still waiting on Microsoft though. Cause if Microsoft's going to go with the 600, like maybe they'll go with the 550 or the 500, or if Microsoft comes out at 500, then they're going to be like, okay, we're just going to do 500. You know, I think yeah. that they'll be fine as long as they're at or below whatever Microsoft does. Yeah, they'll, they'll be fine as long as Microsoft's in a range. Microsoft's using different technology, so Microsoft might take advantage of this and be like, okay, uh, our loss that we're going to take on this is going to be a little bit more just so we can undercut them. Because uh, it sounds like Microsoft, their supply chain is fine as, as far as we know, or as far as like, you know, these technology which, companies. Which isn't shocking because Microsoft is a hardware company. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they have a chain using slightly different technology, so everything's looking good for them to where they can set the price pretty low, and then it's just up to them to just, like... We talked about, you know, they're playing price chicken uh, to where Microsoft can put the price low of just, like, okay, how much is Sony willing to eat uh, of the cost? Because 450 is what it's been... It's what it's cost to be to make. You know, that doesn't include extra costs as well, and... Are they willing to take a bath for a year or two until the supply chain gets figured out? And then if the price is actually selling pretty well at whatever high price they sell, then they're golden. Because then, you know, the cost lower from them and they can keep it at a high price. Or if they're just going to have to cut it like immediately and take a bigger loss. There's a lot going on with this. And it has to be, we're already February 16th and we still have like... You know, people were... How many different days were people predicting Sony was going to announce the PS5? Yeah. Uh, we Every week, we pass another predicted day. And this could play a to part like into a it. state of play for them, too. they got to be doing a state of play soon, right? Yeah, the only thing is, like... The state of play, there's only so many more games that they can announce for the PS4. Yeah, but they can start feel. dating some of them. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> But they need to get some out the door before they can do the next state of play. Yeah. I don't know how many games that were announced in the last state of play outside of Dreams right. are actually available. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just pretty interesting to see the the, the price stuff. Yeah, somebody right somebody now. asked me the other day about like, oh, do you think that we're gonna cover Sony games? Like, yeah, we would love to cover Sony games, but we don't know, you know, what our like Sony hasn't released anything in the last. Pretty much since we launched the DG to dreams, for, is, yeah, yeah, and that's been an early access, you know. So it's like they're, you know, like they've been relatively quiet. I mean, we've got they've got Last of Us two and Ghost of Tsushima to go out of, to to move out of this gen on a, on a good note, but there's not a lot of other stuff in the pipeline. Which is again is another reason, like, what are they going to be at E three for? Here's our box, check it out. Like, what are they? What mm-hmm. are they going to? You know, here's a trailer for a game that's probably going to get delayed, or that's yeah. going to be on both systems. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, at this point, it just feels like next gen is just kind of a thing. Like, it's it almost is getting get to the point where, like, it's kind of like the phones. Like, hey, that's cool. I'll get it when I upgrade my phone. Yeah. You know, it's I'm starting to get that feeling with it. Um, so, just to piggyback on what I, my thought there is, Outriders. So, Outriders got announced by Square Enix. Um, it's a third-person loot, cooperative looter game. Um Lots of coverage out there on it. Um, and then they had some live streams. The trailer looks really cool, but 
it's the it's confirmed for holiday 2020 ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x like it's coming to both of them so it's like you know like so we haven't heard about godfall yet but like i i guess at this point in time i would assume that a ps4 and an xbox one version of or, or i guess a ps4 version of godfall is inevitable right yeah uh it would at least be the smart decision to make financially for the developers yeah. uh, you know get so that install like, base is there gonna be any you know like do you feel like there's any reason for you to buy a series x at launch right now no no you, not for you, me personally today right now why would you buy a ps5 at launch today fanboyism that's pretty much it okay to be completely honest yeah uh but yeah there's it's definitely one of those things where depending on price i might not pre-order right away or if i have a pre-order it's going to be on amazon that i can cancel you know if i get cold feet like a week before now and and i'm hoping that sony goes hey here's the ps5 and here's why you want a ps5 versus microsoft Mm -hmm. and i don't blame them for what they're doing hey here's series x it's gonna work like our xbox one but cooler yes you know yeah <laughs> so and that's that's a great strategy consumer friendly strategy to have and you're playing the long game and you're worried about your services and you're worried about you know like xbox live game pass and and all those things it, it, and, and it's working like it's xbox game pass has got me looking when i go to like a you know i'm walking around shopping or whatever and i see you know a used xbox one for like a hundred bucks i'm like huh like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. If that all digital version is like eighty, if I ever see that all digital version for ninety or hundred dollars, I don't know if I can stop myself. <laughs> I was so pissed when I missed it for one twenty. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if I walk by somewhere and it's like on sale, like I don't know if I'll be able to stop myself just because it'll just be a really bigger Game Pass machine. Mm-hmm. That so. that's <laughs> what I'd be interested in. So, all right, that is it for news. Um, what we're playing and watching. Um, so for me, I. Uh, <laughs> I was so proud of myself, like Michael. I've been so proud of myself. I have really kind of pulled myself away from Destiny. Like, I haven't been playing it very much. I've been periodically messing around with it. Like, I think I played a little bit with the Valentine's Day event that it had this year, this week, for, you know, two uh, doubles in Crucible. Like, I played it for, like, I don't know, like an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, And then I just fell right off the wagon into Division again. (laughs) So I'm like, hey, I'm not... And then I'm running content, and I've been playing The Division 2. So when you're listening to the show, there's a huge conversations happening on our Facebook group about Division. Division 2. One, because you guys are awesome, and you really like the Division 2 Warlords of New York coverage. Thank you for that. Two, the game is $3. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is How long is it $3? Until, so like, my... March 2nd, I think. Okay, yeah, so... Until so, so the day before Warlords of New York comes out. The game is $3. Dollars on any platform, PC, Xbox, PlayStation. Um, do not buy the deluxe versions of this game that are $13 or $16 because by the time you're listening to this, all of the year one content that you get early access to for those versions is going to be released. Um, but it, for those of you asking if this game is worth $3, uh, yes. <laughs> um, even if you're not worried about Warlords of New York. Um, so, but... Be careful playing the game right now because it's getting such a massive overhaul in March. Don't get too invested into what you're getting if you want to just focus on getting to to level 30 um, and focusing on that, then perfect. Um, Do not... My best advice and my best best tips for you is do not 
dig too deep into the system because the the rpg systems are going to change dramatically the, the skill levels and the, the gear score and how the gear works is going to change dramatically so um if you haven't listened to any of my warlords of new york coverage on youtube or on the episode two episodes ago on your feed go ahead and check that out um but i've been having a blast playing it we started a ddg clan i think there's like 12 people in there already uh, once you hit like level seven or eight in the game, I believe you can join a clan. Just search Digital Days Gaming or Digital Days. I can't remember which one it is. Um, I think Digital Days Gaming wouldn't fit. It's there. Uh, it's open. Feel free to join. If I have to close it, I'll close it. I'm not worried about it. Uh, been having fun playing, you know, going back and playing with a bunch of people. Um, the There's been a couple people that are asking like the level scaling. Um, I played a little bit tonight with uh, uh, Kevin. Uh, from our Facebook group, and he uh, he didn't uh, he wasn't complaining too much. So he was like level five in the game, and I joined him, and it made him level twenty nine um, because I'm a max level character, and I didn't really feel like running a new character. And he wasn't he was he seemed like he was doing fine. He wasn't complaining about like getting just obliterated or anything like that. So in terms of friends helping each other, I think it's it it's valuable. Um, and going into their instance like joining you you want to join the lower level player don't have the higher level player um don't join the higher level players uh game join the lower level run through the story missions the loot that's dropped uh, won't be good for the higher level player but it's it's a ton of fun to play uh, i had a stream the other day of uh helping johnny get johnny as a boy get through some of the world tiers which is the flawed system in the game of how the world tiers work um but, you know, we shared a bunch of loot with him once he hit level 30. I got his gear score up to above 480. And then we were just blasting through the... <laughs> we were blasting through the world tiers. We were standing in front of a door. Um, and uh, <laughs> Johnny was calling them the monster closets. We're standing there waiting for the monsters to come out the door. And we're all standing there with, like, machine guns just mowing them down as they walk out the door. <laughs> if you're looking for an entertaining stream, it's just us, like, running and gunning and laughing for a while. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, so I played that. Uh, that kind of hooked me. Um, I that is really all I played. I did watch. Um, I got it to work. It was kind of a pain in the ass, but I, I was able to download Apple TV to my Roku in my bedroom, and I watched all nine episodes of Mythic Quest, um, which isn't too bad. They were like twenty five minutes an episode, so it's mm -hmm. a pretty entertaining show. Um, the best episode kind of really seemed like the like by the time the episode was over i was like that didn't really have any relevance to the story and then, <laughs> and then it did later like like three or four more episodes down the line but it it was it was a funny interesting dynamic of dealing with like they like a typical like sitcom show of dealing with things happening in the game of like oh this this is broken like we got to keep this quiet from the creative team and like there's like and the, the money team doesn't need to know about that. And they tried to build, like, an ethics committee. And it's like, okay, so who do we, like, decide to keep in the game or kick out of the game? And they, like, put up, like, an NCAA bracket style of, like, who's worse? <laughs> like, what hate crime is worse, this one or this one? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, it had some interesting, you know, funny moments to it. There was some, you know, some weird things to it. Um, I'm not a huge actor guy or you know like in terms of you know who's who and anything like that so i don't know if it had any huge character actors and it didn't have anybody that i super recognized in the game but uh it, if you have apple tv or you want to try the seven day trial i don't think that you'd be you know disappointed in it 
Um, it was a lot of fun to watch, though. My wife watched it with me, and she, there were some episodes that were, you know, she, she put it best. She's like, all these episodes are 25 minutes, but that one felt like it took a really long time, and that one didn't. So, yeah, <laughs> in terms of the pacing. so. Um, but, yeah, so I played Division 2, played a little bit of Destiny, watched Mythic Quest, um, and that was a lot of my week. I was trying to keep up with some of the warlords coverage and you know um warlords of new york coverage and to see what you know what i missed or what other things that i you know could do better um but yeah it's really it's it seems like warlords of new york look, looks very promising um again like there's two videos on youtube if you want to check them out so that was uh kind of my week because we recorded and then the warlords coverage came out and um that's really all i've been able to play i do have um I think the game's called Corruption 2029 that I was sent that I want to, that comes out on Monday or Tuesday the 17th. So I will uh, check that out and hopefully stream stream that game. Um, and then I really wanted to get into Bleeding Edge, but I just never did. I'm sure you're going to talk about that a little bit. So yeah, uh, so uh, Bleeding Edge was in beta this weekend, and it was for people that pre-ordered or if you had Game Pass on Xbox or PC. I have Game Pass on PC, so I hopped into it. Uh, so Bleeding Edge is the 4v4 competitive melee game from Ninja Theory. Uh, I, I enjoyed what I played. Played like two hours about it. Uh, I know Dave wanted to try and hop on uh, and play with me in, so, in a, like a stream, but I just my Saturday was kind of just all over the place, so I found like two hours where I was able to to play it. He doesn't want to play video games with me. It's all good. Yeah, no, I just hate you. Uh, it, it's fun. It's weird. So, like, the, the, the it's melee combat. It's like a hero uh, multiplayer game. So each character has very distinct personality, look, and play style. So you, I kind of get the, like, the Overwatch vibes from it, or, like, Apex Legends uh, vibe in terms of, like, the hero uh, style gameplay. Uh, but I had mixed feelings like going throughout the whole thing. Uh, while it does have its personality, I don't feel like the personality really stuck out during the beta. It's just a beta, though, so I don't know. You know, they, they might flesh that out uh, by the time the game comes out. But the gameplay was solid. Like, it, it felt okay. You're, you have a hoverboard you can get around the maps with. And it's objective-based combat or objective-based games to where it's just like, you know, capture a point and just keep going into you with the, the total. Uh, and it was just like variants of that or like collect all the batteries and then bring them to the, to the moving goal posts score resets every 30 seconds. It's just like the game modes like that. So nothing too complex, something, nothing that you haven't seen before. Uh, the thing that, I guess it's going to, you know, try help it make a stand out is its personality, its bright colors and the different heroes. Uh, I was playing, I think it was uh, like a Nidhogg, um, who's like a death metal robot human or half human, half robot, uh, who has a guitar that he uses for his combat. Uh, there's Gizmo, who can, uh, her ultimate puts her in like a bunny mech very overwatch sounding and she just has a gatling gun that's pretty limited in in terms of its range but there's dynamics that you can play with uh because it is a like a team-based 
shooter. It was kind of hard playing with strangers. I know I said that after like Dave wanted to play with me, but I (laughs) played with strangers. Uh, It's something that like a game like Overwatch learned uh, when Overwatch first came out. Oh, your game's great, but for a solo player, it sucks. Yeah, but Overwatch had its, you know, advantages. But what, what, what the problem is right now with uh, Bleeding Edge, I found, is it doesn't force you to pick a support class. It doesn't force you to pick a tank class. Like, you, could, the four people could just pick whoever they want. Uh, because I guess the teams are small enough that they don't want to, like, be too restricting. But it's something Overwatch learned eventually going into, you know, a couple after a couple seasons of just like, okay, for this game to be at its best we need to have someone be a healer. We need to have someone to be a tank. And then Overwatch changed. And, you know, you can pick whatever character you want, but then if you don't have a healer or a tank, the match won't start. And there's no restriction like that with Bleeding Edge. So oftentimes, especially in the beta, I just had (laughs) four, you know, DPS players. And we were just getting our ass kicked. And no one was staying together as a team, you know, no one was staying on goal. So it took a while, you know, as the beta was going on, uh, for people to figure that out. Or I just got lucky and had people that were actually playing the objective and people that actually wanted to play support. And I was able to have fun once I got into that rhythm, but without people playing the team, there wasn't much fun for me to have outside of that. Like overwatch, even if I'm having like a bad game where no one's playing teamwork, I can at least control my own like destiny. You know, I I wasn't, you know, completely helpless in this game. If I lone wolf it, I can just get smashed easily. And it's really hard to win a game because it's objective based, you know, being a lone wolf. It's not like call of duty where, you know, one person can win you a team deathmatch, <laughs> you know, like everyone could be shit, but you have that one person who's like on God tier and you can win it. This you need to coordinate as a team. And in the beta period, no one was really coordinating as a team. Uh, but there mm-hmm. is potential there. I, I do see the potential. Uh, how, long, how long is the beta? It was just for this weekend. Okay. Um, I believe they're going to do an open beta in March you know, open to everybody. So hopefully, you know, I'll get more time with it and can figure that out. I will say, I don't know if this game, I think this game is going to cost money. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, It feels free to play. I don't like just in terms of like quality. Like it it was one of those games where it's just like, I really hope this doesn't end up like a lawbreakers where it just kind of becomes forgotten and just can't, you know, can't compete with every the other things that are out there that do the kind of the same thing. Exactly, and, and Lawbreakers. Like, why would was... I play like so? As an example, I guess the question I would ask you: Why would you play Bleeding Edge over, um, Overwatch. Overwatch? Yeah, that's the thing that they need to figure out. Like okay. I don't like. And if it's not. I... A, it's not a dig on the game. It's more just wondering. It's a hero shooter style of game. And yeah. there's already a dominant hero shooter out there. Yes, and then there's also Apex, which is kind of a you know a cross between a, it's hero, a hero shooter. Battle Royale. Yeah. Yeah. So there are games that are doing it. There's a free to play, you know, Apex, and then there's Overwatch, which is established. Bleeding Edge, from what I played, it has the signs of personality. I like the character designs, but they need more to hook 
me in order to be like, yes, this is a game I'm going to make a priority for, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's a game that's going to cost money. Uh, I have Game Pass and it's owned by Microsoft, so I'm going to have access to that game. But people that don't have Game Pass, what is going to be their incentive for and, it? And yeah, and just to be clear, Bleeding Edge was in development before Microsoft purchased them, correct? I believe it would have had to been because they yeah. were purchased and then announced their new game like the same press conference so Uh, yeah i mean have they talked about a date for this i believe it's coming out next month sometime next month uh and we don't know how much it costs i don't know me personally i don't know how much it costs i will look that up right now on amazon uh Um, but yeah it's just they need to show something in the final product that is going to be the thing that's you know impressive Okay, so it's a, it looks like it's $30 on Steam for okay. pre-order. Right. So that's not too bad. Uh, but that also screams to me automatically, like, and it, it being a hero-style shooter, like, seasonal content updates mm-hmm. to, you know, additional heroes being released and, you know, like, you know, 10 bucks every six months or whatever, something like that. Like, because how does Overwatch... So Overwatch's content and seasonal changes and hero changes are all just free, right? Yeah, they're all free. You have to buy the base game, which I think is like $20 most of the time. Okay. Uh, but everything is free. You don't have to worry about, you know, buying a season pass or anything. It's just maps, characters. But when Overwatch free. came out, it was a $60 game, right? Uh, on PC, I believe it was $40. On console, okay. it was 60 Okay. All right. No, I was just curious. Mm-hmm. So what else were you playing? Uh... I kind of started, so I picked up Pokemon Sword. It's fun. I, I oh, haven't, shit. <laughs> I haven't played too much of it. I barely like scratched like the the first like twenty minutes, which is all just character stuff. Uh, just because uh, I bought it for my little sister during Christmas, so I watched her play like the first hour, uh, and then Sarah wanted to pick up Pokemon, so then I watched Sarah play the first hour. So now it's like the third time I'm seeing the opening, so I'm just like trying to get over that hump and then yeah. really get it into the game. Um, and then, so just, you'll probably hear me talk about Pokemon over the next couple, like, weeks here and there. Uh, and then I, I streamed the Switch. Yay! Uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I streamed Earth Knight, um, which I was Didn't game the, I like, one of the developers of the game respond to you? <laughs> yeah, we've been tweeting back and forth, just because sometimes I'll have issues in yeah. terms of, like, I can't That's cool that, character. like, the guy that makes the game is responding to people. Yeah, and I don't tag him on anything. He just, you know, searches for stuff on his game. Like, yeah. he watched the stream, and he's like, you're getting really good, but you're missing this thing. And I'm like, I am. And then I, you know, make more progress. Yeah, That's uh, cool, I, man, I, that you stream the game, and the guy that makes the game is watching you play it. Like, that's cool. Yeah, but luckily he didn't say anything during the chat that would have, like, fucked me up, as opposed to, you know, after. He just was Michael like, hey, you the controller if somebody was watching him play. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're like, you're doing this wrong. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, so I, I, I bought, like, a third-party dock so I can hook it up to my streaming equipment. So I'm using, like, an Insignia dock, which is, like, the Best Buy brand. I think it's on Amazon as well. Uh, I was really worried about it because it's just, like, anytime you use a third-party part yeah. for, for something. But it works pretty well for the Switch. It's a little too snug for my liking. Like, the Switch, the, the Nintendo Switch dock itself, the one from Nintendo, you just drop the Switch in, you're good to go. This one, you need to put in the dock and then press down, and I did not like doing that, like, at all. You know, <laughs> you press it down, 
and you have to put a, just a little bit of pressure on it just to get it to pop in place, which has scared me a little bit, but it worked for my needs. Though I did notice some, like, lagginess. Really? Uh, yeah, which I, I don't... I, I need to test with more games. It could have just been... Uh, it could have just been a thing on me, but... Okay. Or could it, or with, you know, because I had it going through my PC. Uh, so I need to test that out again to see if it's, like, the Insignia dot. Because I never noticed it with... You had it going on. through your PC how? Like, do you have an internal capture card? Uh, I have uh, Elgato HD60. But, like, internally uh, in your computer or free? Like, no, no. It's outside. Okay. Uh, and I never noticed any lag with Earth Knight on my TV itself with the original Switch Dock. So I'm going to see if I notice any lag by using the Switch Dock to stream, you know, just to go back and forth. Just to yeah, because I was going to say, the way that I usually stream stuff is I run an HDMI cable from my console to my Elgato, from my mm-hmm. Elgato to my TV. Yeah, that's how this is going. Okay. You just confused uh, it, me and you said you had it hooked to your PC. That's all. Oh, yeah. No, what I'm saying is like maybe that input lag is, you know, because that Insignia dock is going through the Elgato, then going, you know, yeah, out to okay. my TV and PC. No, that's interesting. So, yeah. No. Yeah. So I need to test it around and play around with the original Switch dock just to see if yeah, the yeah, Insignia sure. one's causing some sort of like lagginess. Uh, so I'll testing that out in case anyone's interested in uh getting multiple switch docks because i like the idea because i I picked it up for like 30 dollars because it's Mm -hmm. it's usually 50 but it's on sale pretty frequent so like if you want to have your switch in multiple rooms or you know have a dock available for you if you have multiple tvs Mm -hmm. it seems like it's a good option but there might be some issues right for sure uh but that's it for uh playing and watching okay all right, uh, we can jump right into some of our community questions using hashtag Ask Digital Days. Don't tag the rapper. Please don't. <laughs> uh, so Randy writes in, um, Michael, you mentioned Graveyard Keeper and another game on the last podcast that you have on the Switch. What indie-like games do you really enjoy playing on that platform? I might check out a few that you think are worth playing. Okay. Uh, so the game I just mentioned, Earth Knight, I really like that game. If you like platformers that are pretty challenging, uh, Lost Phone Story is kind of a creepy game. I've talked about it before. Don't know on the show or another. Uh, that game is you find someone's cell phone and you are trying to figure out what happened to them by basically reading all their messages. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. By reading all their messages like and a detective then trying to kind of thing, right? Yeah, where you just have a phone and you're trying to learn about this person through their phone and figure out what happened to them. And it's really interesting. It's really well written. All the messages, because you're going through text messages, you're going through emails, you're figuring out passwords to websites. And all you have to go off of is this phone. And you turn a switch sideways, you have the touch screen. And that is really interesting. It only takes uh, like two to three hours to get through it. And I believe it's two phone stories in it. So there's like two two-hour stories it's really interesting the second one's significantly harder because they like make you work a little bit more for some of the puzzles uh in terms of like figuring out passwords and codes uh so that one is a definite favorite of mine if you like you know like detective type games that are like really simplistic and i do believe it is available on android and ios if you don't have a switch uh and then uh there's Super Crush KO, which I mentioned a couple weeks ago. That's just a cute platformer. Uh, 
Uh, and then Ape Out. If you haven't played Ape Out, it was free on the Epic Game Store a little bit ago. I believe it's out on Xbox as well. Uh, but Ape Out on the Switch is really good. Uh, really stylized uh, game uh, where you just play an ape who escapes captivity. And you're just kind of beating up guards or killing guards. It's very brutal and violent. Uh, and it's like a top-down perspective. And you're just trying to escape uh, like these labyrinths and avoiding guards or killing guards. And it's really good. The music for it, it's fantastic. It's like uh, jazz uh, drums that react to your movement and your actions. So it's just like a like a jazz session every level. Those are probably my favorite indie games uh, that are on the Switch currently right now. And I'm always picking up new ones probably every like other week. And I'll have some more to talk about relatively soon. Uh, as more come out, and uh, we, and I'm, we got our first Switch review. I can't say yep. what it is, but we got a Switch review, so it's cool. Yep. So we'll have more <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> I'm geeked about that. Sorry, that was kind of cool, and that yeah. emails were going back and forth. So, um, all right, and then Palmer, Mister Ben Palmer, sends this question. Uh, he sent me a picture. Uh, sent us a picture. Uh, you want to chat about this global closure? So PlayStation is closing their community forums. Or are they closing their forums in general? They're, I believe they're forums. So the forums on PlayStation.com will no longer be available on February 27th. And what's so. fascinating is they actually, they don't have a Discord, but they push you to the blog. So they want you to comment on the hmm. blog. They want you to comment on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then if they say, if you have any technical issues, please continue to hit the support site. But they're pretty much like, essentially, they are saying that we're done with our forums. Which makes sense. I've never been a. I was. I used to use forums a lot when I was younger. I was very active on the PlayStation forums, actually. Uh, but as I got older, I just kind of went away from them and just wanted like faster interactions, which I get from Twitter and Facebook and uh, Discord to a lesser extent, just because I'm not a Discord person. Uh, We're gonna make you a Discord person soon. We, yeah, we have to. <laughs> I, I just yeah. no, but I mean, uh, so I think with the implementation of how Discord works and um, uh, these other functionalities of whether it's Instagram or Facebook and you know commenting and the people have moved away from. Um, like I, I, I love our Facebook group. I love the conversations we have in there. But like sometimes if you walk away from there for 10 or 15 minutes and you open your phone back up and check, there's a whole bunch of comments for you to read. And, and then it's like, oh, so-and-so replied to you and you have to be notified Like versus like Discord where you can post something and you can like have a live conversation. Like you don't have yeah. to wait to be notified that another comment post or to get a you know an email that somebody else added to their conversation. And, and that's the thing I always had a problem with forums is – if you walk away, you either come back and there's a bunch of stuff for you to catch up on, or you walk away and then the group, the chat dies, mm-hmm. you know, which sometimes happens with Twitter. You know, you don't never know who's the last one that's supposed to reply, but at least for the most part, you get like a quick reaction mm-hmm. and you can have a chat a little bit better than you can on forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is sad to see the PlayStation forums go away. Uh, I kind of hope that they keep at least an archive of them. I know archive will have archive.org will keep an archive, but I hope they don't just kill it completely. Like if they can just close it so it doesn't grow and you can still look at old stuff. Cause I'm sure there's some old, the first MJC opinions on little big planet one, <laughs> but there, it's also like an interesting resource. Like anytime I'm Googling problems, like a lot of times it takes you to Reddit 
And even mm-hmm. reading Reddit is hard. Like, it can be. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have the Reddit app, which makes it a little cleaner. And if, right. if you're not used to how Reddit works, that could be kind of jarring. If you're not used to... like, So I think if I stuck my 20-year-old son in front of a forum right now, compared to what he's grown up on, in terms of how, you know, because he's grown up in the Facebook age and he's grown up in, you know, like uh, group text and bulletin board functionality of being, you know, it essentially instantaneous chat rooms on your phone. Um, yeah. I think if I stuck him in front of the PlayStation forum and wanted him to read something about it, I think he would have a hard time. Yeah, or he'll be able to read it, but it's just like, now reply, and then he'd be like, okay, where do I go? I got to scroll to the bottom. And right. It's and I like think a that, whole, whole thing. You know, and I, I wonder how much of a pain in the ass it is to moderate. Yeah, especially the PlayStation forums are really popular, but now if they're willing to shut them down, maybe they're not as popular. Uh, but yeah, I think we're going to see that a lot. Uh, just like comp- sites that are like holding on to forums, depending on how busy they are, might just say like, hey, Twitter or Facebook are a better option or Discord for a more personal option. Because Discord, to me, feels like it is a little bit more personal mm-hmm. of a thing because you can get into a private chat with someone like, like that mm-hmm. you can you can get into a voice conversation that's what like i mean that. like yeah. you get into a private like actual conversation with someone like uh, on your phone even like i was i was telling somebody like yeah you could like uh you could just plug in and like there's been times that i've thought about just opening up the voice chat and no matter what i'm doing and if somebody in like and putting out something on discord that hey i'm in here and you just you just want to chill or want to talk like it's 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 an option maybe you're in the car yes. for an hour you know or maybe you're working on something that you know it's going to be mind-numbing and time-consuming. You just want to conversate. It's like the PS4 party chat. You know, like, you don't... It's nice if everybody's playing the same game, but sometimes it's cool to just play a game and have a conversation with people about random stuff, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, want to take the last question? Yeah. So, speaking of Discord, um, Branham on Discord, uh, how much time have you wasted scrolling through the Netflix menus looking for something to watch? Um, since I dropped cable, I find myself doing this less and less. I'm more or less, oh, wow, that's on Netflix. I should just watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely had the thing where usually I can grab what I want right away. But I I will admit, there's been times where uh, me and Sarah make a a snack or something to eat. And we're just like, oh, what do we want to watch? And we can't decide. We end up spending like a half hour trying to find something or sometimes more maybe an hour max and then we ended up deciding like let's just watch the office again mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i can't can't figure out something new out that's you know like let's just rewatch buffy on hulu and so i probably spent like an hour scrolling through stuff to watch especially now where it's not just netflix where it's just like okay you check hulu i check netflix can't find anything check disney plus okay now i'm gonna check hbo while you're checking disney plus and then it just kind of balloons into a thing and can't quite settle on something i think it's more became you think about something that you want to see and then you google what streaming service it's on and then you find it and then you watch it like that's kind of what it's turned into at least for me now you said disney plus i almost forgot like i haven't probably watched that like in a month because there's really nothing there's nothing on there that they need it's time for some new content out there yeah so it's they need to add the new content to get me there and then to show me the older content that i forgot that i wanted to watch yeah (laughs) 
All right, so you guys can send those questions, whether they're through Discord. We have a link, um, or we have a, just a, its own channel, and Ask Digital Days channel in Discord for you to post those questions. Uh, you can post them on our Facebook group. We have a pinned post for you to ask those questions as well. So those are always towards the top, or like, like I said, their own separate thing. And you can use hashtag Ask Digital Days on Twitter, and we just search that hashtag. You don't even have to tag us in it, um, but you can just search the hashtag, and we'll find it. So those are all ways that you can send us questions. We would love to hear like even non-gaming questions, like the Netflix Netflix question was kind of cool. So um, anything that you want to know about Michael, myself, or or anything like that would be awesome. Um, I know uh, Stefan wrote a really cool question that we'll probably have later on uh, for distance for getting food. So that's something yeah, we'll have we'll to do that next. We'll week. do that next week or something. Um, do you have anything that you want to spotlight? Um, no, I'm just going to be playing more Switch games and focusing on that. If anyone has any suggestions for some indie Switch games, please send them to at Digital Days Pod on Twitter or on our Facebook group. Yep. Uh, so for me, I would love to spotlight trying to figure out a way to just do some community gaming nights. Like I, I love the interaction that we've been having, whether it's on Discord or whether it's on Facebook group. And then like just seeing the like the the, the thing that started it rolling in my mind was like the influx of division players again having that conversation. People buying the game for three dollars, like that's a great example. Rocket League is a great game that we can play too with like eight people online. If you have the new Call of Duty, I think we can do like six people on a team. Or yeah, I, I, yeah, depending so, on the game mode. Yeah, so I would love to maybe once a month, like we can figure it out. Maybe maybe it's twice a month. Um, we could stream it and just have a cool time. And if you don't feel like if you feel like you don't own the game but you still want to participate, like just come hang out in the chat. Uh, hang out like if we're streaming it, hang out in the chat. I'll you know I'll broadcast the chat over uh, over the stream so you can hear all the conversations. But um, I would love to just hang out with you guys. Like we're building a community and I want to make sure that we, you know, we're um, introducing everybody to everybody, letting people hear voices. I was playing with uh, Kevin earlier today and he, like the PlayStation 4 is almost on its way out. And I think this is the first time he used the PS4 party chat. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't play a lot of online gaming, but I was playing him. I was playing Division 2 with him. He picked it up for $3 and I was explaining stuff to him and I got to do the, hey, check this out thing. Like, look at what I can do. And he's like, oh, that's really like, he's like, that looks like a lot of fun. And it was, it was cool again, just to hear somebody's reactions to like just random stuff. Like, hey, you got a cowboy hat on. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't remember where I got it from, you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and don't worry about like, if in terms of like, if we're playing Rocket League or something like that, like I, I just want to have you know whether it's sit back relax talk you know just talk to you guys hang out with you guys play games with you guys i don't care if you're not scoring 12 goals a game in rocket league but if you are scoring 12 goals a games you need to tell me beforehand because you can be on my team uh, <laughs> but i just want to have again again i don't care if you suck at call of duty like i i don't i don't care i don't care about my kd i don't care about stats i just want to hang out with you guys and i and um I'm sure we could entice Michael to maybe at least play like a half hour or something. Probably. probably. <laughs> if he's if he's home. <laughs> yeah. So our schedule's offset pretty pretty heavily, so that's usually why you don't see us, you know, group up or anything like that. But hopefully we we can figure that stuff out. I, I remember months ago playing I think Warface with you and like that was a blast. <laughs> and I think we played World War Z together. Yeah. We did yeah, do that. So um, but that I would love to, to do something like that. So the, the spotlight for me is the, is the community gaming night, but then also just the discord. Like we were just having that conversation. Like I love our Facebook group. 
and that's great for you guys to go in and check it periodically. But if you're someone that's a little bit more of an active user, like join the Discord. Like we can start making separate channels for certain things. If you want to talk about sports, if you want to talk about general stuff, if you want to talk about a specific game, I'm all about making channels. Uh, and, and again, like I would love to use the voice channel. I might just pop in there and periodically more often and, and tweet out that I'm in the voice channel. And if you guys just want to come out and hang out and talk to me or just talk it to anybody, like I would love to see stuff like that. It could be while I'm just, you know, streaming or playing a game, anything. Like, like I would really just love to, to interact with you guys and to get to know you guys and what you like and what you don't like. And not just from a gaming perspective. Like, I have a, you know, I have a genuine curiosity of, of your life, uh, of what, what you guys have going on. And, like, I, I'm learning that people have kids and they have, you know, like, and or their jobs. Like, so some of the stuff that people do is just fascinating to me. Like, uh, Kevin's a truck driver. He drives all over the country. <laughs> I would love to just to, to grow our community and get to know our community even more. So, um, with all those things in mind, so please just check out all the social media stuff. Just you can I I'm t I, I know you guys get tired of me saying, you know whatever dot com slash digital days gaming. So I if you search digital days gaming, you'll find whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or Patreon or Discord. Um, I don't think you can search it on Discord. Um, I'll put uh, invite link in the show notes to Discord. Yeah. Um, and then um, our show notes, by the way, like if you guys, whatever app you're using for them, if you click on our show notes, they're vastly different than our, our previous show. Um, they can go on for days. Like we found out that there's not really a limit to them. And there will nope. be t tons and tons of links in the show notes if you want to know. So any of this stuff that I'm talking about should be in the show notes. If it's not, Angela has to do a better job. I'm kidding, um, but so the, the the Patreon's link should be there, the YouTube link should be there, the Discord invite should be there, the Facebook group will be there. Like just the the links to everything are in the show notes. You should be able to click on them on your phone. You should be able to see them on Simplecast, uh, on our website digitaldaysgaming.com. So that's why you don't have to hear me say that ton hundred times. Just search us. Yeah. Um, and then you know, all kidding aside, with you know the E3 stuff and. The, the content in general. If you guys want to support us, you can support us on Twitch with your Amazon Prime account. You can support us on Twitch with a with a paid subscription if you want. We've had a really good couple of months on Twitch, so that's a huge kudos to you guys and a thank you to you. We have Patreon. Um, $3 tier gets you access to a private channel in the Discord. $1 tip jar, you can essentially, you know, like the like those uh, hungry kids overseas. For a dollar a month, you can support this podcast. <laughs> But you can literally, if you subscribe for a dollar a month, it pays for a month of us publishing the podcast, and we appreciate and thank every one of our patrons. Um, Five dollars a month, you get the podcast a day early. So if you want to listen to us early, you can. And then seven dollars a month will be bonus content, which we are in the process of scheduling that out. But uh, right now, the people that are subscribing for bonus content, we've we've actually talked to them. They don't seem too worried about it, but we're still going to deliver what we promised. But we'd love to see some more bonus content people. That would be amazing. I'd love to see some more early access people. Um, but if you can support us on Patreon, great. If you cannot, like that's fine. Supporting us on Amazon Prime and Twitch is awesome. Thank you. Uh, we've had people ask us about affiliate links. So here's the problem. Um, I don't know where we would direct you to put them where we would, yeah. you know, and so we wouldn't have a link directly for that. Um, it would just be more or less us tweeting out like, Hey, this like Wario 64 style. Like we don't have time to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. we don't. So um, if you, if you want to make a, a direct donation to us, I think you can do a one-time donation on Patreon or reach out to us individually and we can show you, we, uh, if you want to do PayPal something to us, like that's fine, whatever you want to do. Um, again, half joking, half serious. 
we need to hear from you guys about shirts. Some people asked about it in a Facebook group, and that seemed to kind of die. If you want to see something like uh, like a shirt, we got to find out if it's something you really want to do and what you'd want to see from it. Um, I'm sure we can figure something out on Teesprings, but we're small. The community is still small and it's still growing, so I don't want to invest too much into something that would only be like six shirts. I'm not trying to demean anybody, but six shirts isn't enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the cost we have to look at yeah. as well. So. Uh, but other than that, I hope everybody has a great week. Michael, you got anything else? Nope. I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Talk to you guys see later. You. Keep moving forward. <laughs>